Amen. Amen. I want to. Amen. Praise God. I want to introduce you guys to Jonathan. He is a Compassion alumni. We are super excited to have him with us today. So if you guys can give him a warm GT welcome. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. You got the floor? Thank you. Uh, good morning, GT. It's a joy to be with you this morning. Uh, it's been, it was a very late flight yesterday. I came from the Dominican Republic, from Santo Domingo, and um, it was great. So, got some sleep and um, had a great conversation with Pastor Marisa and Pastor Scott. And finally, we're here. And I'm very excited to be with you this morning. Uh, in 2016, uh, Compassion was recording my story. And I am a former sponsored child with Compassion in the Dominican Republic. And they were recording the story. And they were recording my mother. I was sharing uh, my journey with Compassion. And I do remember that. Uh, my mother said in the moment uh, of the interview, she said, do you remember, Jonathan, that you almost lost the best opportunity of your life? And, and for a moment, it was like going back to the sufferings and the poverty that we as a family were going through. And the specific moment that I went in my mind when, she, when my mother mentioned that was when I was 12 uh, where I was sitting at the Compassion Center director, Dulce. I was sitting at her office waiting for the police to come because I was involved in a fight and a friend of mine ended up in a coma. I was sitting there uh, sweating, crying, and meditating on my life. What, what I'm supposed to do now that I'm going to jail. The police is coming uh, and, and I was the one who, I wasn't the one who provoked my friends to end up in a coma, and yet I am the one charged with that. When I reflect, when I was reflecting at the moment, I was also thinking, what moved Dulce so she never kicked me out of the compassion program? Because I gave her all the reasons to get me out of the compassion program. And this morning, I just want to meditate with you that maybe... Uh, the reason she never kicked me out of the program is because she knew my family come from a witchcraft background. Uh, both of my grandparents were uh, witchcraft priests. Uh, it's a big problem, the voodoo kind of religion thing in the DR. And maybe she knew, or for sure she knew that when prior to getting into the compassion program, I, my mother got abused by an uncle, ended up in the street, homeless, working 24 hours in a restaurant, sleeping in the table. And that's when she met my father, got pregnant. My father wanted her to abort me. She knew all these details for sure. She knew that when I, prior to getting into the compassion program, I used to sell juice on the streets and uh, being a diver in a dump site area looking for plastic to recycle. Or, of course, uh, at the church was the very first time that I got a uniform. I didn't have a uniform to go to school. And it was because of Dulce and the local church that I got my very first uniform in life. Prior to that, I used to go to the school in the morning because someone lent me his uniform. I ran back to, to, his, to the community, gave his uniform so he could go to school. 
back then we had four-hour classes during the day, no, not eight-hour classes like today. And she also knew that my shoes were, uh, do you say um, talking shoes when they kind of flip-flop? <laughs> I, we say hungry shoes. So mine were hungry and talky at the same time. She knew that I had to take cardboard to make salt and put it inside my shoes because I had holes down here. And when, she, when I got into the compassion center that I used to walk like a robot because I didn't want anybody to see the holes down my shoes and, and so I, I didn't want to walk that way. She, she knew that I spent days without eating and my sugar level was coming up and down. And now I kind of understand why when I got into this church, uh, what we knew is a local church serving children in need in our community. It wasn't about compassion. It was about the church. But then I got into this local church. There is food provided uh, three times a week, a uniform, new shoes every summer. And my answer to that goodness from the church and Dulce and the staff was fighting. For five years, I was fighting all around because that's, that was my reality in my community. When I meditate in all of this, the one thing that I am still uh, reflecting is that Dulce died a year after that moment that I was waiting for the police after the fight and my friend ended up in a coma. Dulce never saw the Jonathan that I am today. Uh, I will see, she will see her in heaven. Uh, and, 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 and if you ask me, who do you want to meet first? Well, after Jesus, Dulce. I want to see her, hug her, and say thank you. But reflecting on, on, on these is that I would like to share with you this morning. Uh, the connection that I see in the Bible between suffering, vulnerability, and being strong or having authority. This is what what I call the paradox of the Christian life. And in John chapter 4, verse, verse 3 to 6, I would like you to go with me on your Bibles or uh, on your phone to see the verse that I would like to share with you this morning. The Bible says that Jesus left Judea and went again to Galilee. Verse 4 said he had to travel through Samaria, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the property of that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. And pay attention to this uh, idea that, that I would like to share with you this morning. And Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. It, is about, it, it was about six in the evening. Very interesting thing on the text when we, we all know the story of the Samaritan women. Jesus had to go through this place. Uh, there were three, way, three ways to go to Galilee, and one, the, the, the shortest one was uh, through Samaria, but it was the most dangerous one, specifically because of the bad relationship Samaritans and Jewish had. Jesus needed to go through there, and it's interesting for me, not only the fact that he met these women, had this conversation with her, went through her story, asked her for water, she didn't get the idea... Jesus got deeper into the conversation and asked for the husband. She said, I don't have a husband. Jesus said, yes, you have had five. And the one that you're living now is not your husband. 
Jesus six in the evening, about noon, uh, translating that into our context, women doesn't go to a well at noon. It's so hot in the desert. It's so dangerous. And then Jesus go to the point to offer her living water. We know the story, and I love the fact that Jesus has intentionality in meeting these women. I see the love of Jesus on caring for, the, for those in need, the dignity, the love, and the compassion that he has for her. Uh, but there is something else that I see in the test. Jesus was tired. That's what the Bible said. Jesus, worn out from his journey, sat down at the well. Even though he was God, he was man, and, and he was tired. After the Reformation, Martin Luther, the reformer, proposed that we as Christians were meant to live in suffering and in victory. He called that idea the theology of the cross. Very interesting. And that was another thesis besides the 39 thesis that he wrote on the church of the Catholic. Uh, and, and this idea of the theology of the cross was a theological discussion against, against another group of people that he called the theologian of glory. To summarize the idea that these people have, the theologians of glory, Martin Luther says that they call evil good and good evil. They prefer works rather than sufferings. They prefer glory rather instead of the cross. They prefer power instead of the weakness. They prefer wisdom instead of foolishness. Th these are the ones in the context of the Apostle Paul that he calls enemies of the cross of, of, the cross of Christ. Obviously, because they hate the cross. They hate the suffering. But they love the works. They love the glory. They, they, they love to call the attention of people. And that is why they say the good of the cross is evil. And they call the good of the works, the good, uh, the works of evil. Luther is trying to point out some questions that I would like you to reflect with me this morning. With the whole idea of the theology of the cross, he's basically asking, how can we know God? How can we know God better? And, and, and the other question is, is God then impossible to be known? The third question, if we cannot know God through what is visible, how can we do it? And this is Luther's answer to these three questions. He says, we know God through what is contrary. We know it in a hidden way. The invisible attributes of God are revealing suffering and the cross. This is very interesting. Glory in chains, he said. Wisdom in madness. Power in weakness. Victory in defeat. We know God through the message of the cross. Do you remember the text that we read? Jesus worn out from his journey. Jesus again sat down at the well on purpose. He was tired. And we know that because John 4, 6 said. And on the other hand, he was hungry. John 4.31 says that the apostles were urging Jesus to eat. In the meantime, says John 4.31, the disciples kept, kept urging him, Rabbi, eat something. And yet, in his most vulnerable moment, he offered salvation to a woman. Do you see the connection between suffering and power there with Jesus? Pain and suffering, brothers and sisters, th this is what I want to share with you this morning, are not opposite of the love of God. 
for you or for me. They are a demonstration of the, of, of the love of God for you and me. Martin Luther said, It is impossible for a man not to be proud of his own good works unless the experience of suffering and evil, having previously broken his spirit, has told him that he is nothing and that his works are not his but God's. One of my favorite verses while I was going through poverty, remember I had days without eating and I do remember getting to the church and Dulce will give me a cookie. I do remember I started to feel weak and sweating and I got to the school and, and to the church and she gave me a cookie and then suddenly I'm feeling okay. I never realized that my sugar level was coming up and down and, and growing on in poverty, you don't, you don't realize what poverty is. You, you just hang out with that reality. That's, that's your reality. That's one of the trickiest things about poverty. It robs the future and the hope from children. And when I kind of understand the sufferings that both my mom and I, we were going through, I do remember that my favorite verse became Philippians 4, 11 and 13. Paul says, I don't say these out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and I know how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I'm able to do all things through him who has strengthened me. God uses our weaknesses and draws us to him through suffering and pain. Again, Martin Luther said, suffering heals by breaking us. Take us to the highest, taking us first to the lowest. Empty us of our trust in ourselves so we can have confidence in God he, God, destroy our boastful tongues so that we can boast even more in Christ. The, what I'm trying to say is that the opposite of the theology of the glory is the theology of the cross. The theology of glory seeks wisdom, experience, and power, miracles. But they say there's nothing bad about miracles. Uh, in fact, I forgot to mention that I am a very well-made Christian from the Assemblies of God. I, I attend an Assemblies of God church. Uh, the church that I at attend and where I grew up uh, as a compassion child was, is, is an Assemblies of God church. The thing is, they say that suffering is bad. If you're suffering, there, there's something wrong with you. You're not obeying God properly. You're not following God properly. But the theologians of the cross value suffering as the way on how God revealed to ourselves. 2 Corinthians 12, 9, Paul says, But he said to me, God says to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in strength. No, in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more godly of, the, of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I say, therefore, when I'm weak, I'm strong. That is the paradox. A paradox is this apparent contradiction, just like the second song that we were singing, the lamb and the lion at the same God, at the same time. Uh, he died, but he's alive. Through his death, we have living life. It's just a paradox. The paradox of the Christian life is the theology of the cross, is the cross of Jesus. Second Corinthians 4, 17 and 18, for our momentary Lie affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal 
way of glory. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is Paul writing to a church in a persecution context. And Paul is calling persecution lie affliction. It's, it's, it's a small suffering. That's, that's nothing in comparison to the glory that is ahead for you, brothers and sisters. God humbles us to exalt us and weakens us to strengthen us. There is a theologian, Michael Reeve, and he said that the Christian life is not a life of victory and power, but neither is simple a life of, in weaknesses. It is a life of power in weakness. A lie live in a conscious dependence on the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? We're not talking about living a life of suffering and a theology of suffering. It's a life with a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. And let's play, pay close attention to this idea. And I love the way on how... Pastor Andy Crouch explained this idea that I'm trying to communicate to you this morning. This whole idea of suffering and strength and, and, and the theology of the cross, he called it the paradox of growth. And in the paradox of growth, he asked different questions to all Christians. He, he, the, the, the first question that, that, that he asked is, what is expected of my life? We need to answer these questions to, to see where we are in our growth in our Christian life. And he said, what is expected of my life? Uh, everyone is looking for that answer. Uh, it's a great question. If we do not find the answer that satisfies us, our life lack of direction and meaning. If we do not find the right answer, our, our life takes a false and fragile meaning. But even if, if we can find the right answer, there is a still a second question. Why are we so far away from what is expected from us? And third, why, again, are we so far from that expectation? Well, the part of those 60s, growth, Christian growth, life, the Christian life, come from being strong and weak at the same time. That's my answer. And we think on the life of Jesus, again, reflecting on the second son, it was saying that Jesus came as a baby uh, to save sinners. Okay, Jesus is the human who experienced full development as any other human will never experience. And so he experienced that full development, and he demonstrated his strength through miracles, raising people from the dead, speaking with authority in the name of the Father, uh, healing people. But at the same time, he also demonstrated his weakness. And this idea always uh, pushed me because Jesus came as a baby. The Lord of Lords was born as a baby to be taken care of by two human beings. And not only that, he was born in poverty to be taken care of by rejected people. Our God was born in vulnerability. Isn't that interesting? The problem of us as Christians is that we tend to identify with one of the two dimensions uh, instead of both. And when we do this, there are consequences that affect our growth, our Christian growth. And there are, uh, there's a graphic that I would like to share with you, again, uh, quoting 
Andy Crouch, he defined a few concepts that I would like to share with you. One of those is authority. Uh, he, he defined authority as the ability to act in a meaningful way. And vulnerability as exposure to significant risk. If we have, let's see the graphic, if we have a lot of authority and little vulnerability, we will live a life of exploitation. On the other side, if we live a life of a lot of vulnerability and a little authority, a, a lack of uh, meaningful uh, life, we experience suffering. If we do not have any of those, our life will be a life of evasion. But if we have both, this is my proposal to you, brothers and sisters. We will find the purpose for which we were created by God. Although authority and vulnerability seem contradictory in the Bible, let me tell you that that's not true. The Bible shows that those are both of them complementary ingredients that are required to reach the image of Christ. Let's think of another man, uh, the Apostle Paul. I don't have the test on the presentation, but let me read you very quickly, what I call the Apostle Paul pedigree, or his biography, or his CV, I don't know. Uh, Paul speaks about his sufferings in 2 Corinthians 11, and in verse 24 he says, five times I received 39 latches from Jews, three times uh, I was beaten with rods by the Romans, once I was stoned by the enemies, three times I was shipwrecked I have spent nights and days in the open sea. On frequent journeys, I face dangers from rivers, dangers from rovers, dangers from my own people, dangers from the Gentiles, dangers in the city, dangers in the open country, dangers on the sea, and dangers among false brothers. I mean, the, the best way to say it is how John Piper say it. He says, if the prosperity gospel is true, then God hated Paul. Because the, Paul, after Jesus, Paul is maybe the uh, most influential human in, 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 in Bible history. And he's going through all this suffering. In fact, he was decapitated. That, that's the way he died. And, and here we have this man with a lot of authority in the name of Jesus going through so much suffering. The paradox of Jesus and the Samaritan women is this. When I reflect on this, on the learnings that we can take out of the stories, not only the encounter of Jesus with this woman, but this paradox. Jesus is thirsty, he's hungry, he's tired, and in his weakest moment, he exposed this woman to the gospel. Can you see that, the paradox there? He brought salvation to this woman in a moment where he was going through suffering. Christ, in his weakest moment, brought salvation to people and to the world. Our salvation, have you thought of that? Our salvation depends entirely on a God who dies in weakness, putting our sin on the cross and our shame on the cross. Isn't that interesting? Christ on the cross became weak to defeat sin and death once and for all. Our God wins by losing. There is... There is open and spring living water when he died on the cross. That's the theology of the cross. And when I reflect on Dulce and 
uh, she passed away a year after because of cancer. I don't know if I mentioned that. She had breast cancer, and she was a daughter of one of the richest men of my country, and in the neighborhood where I grew up, one of the most dangerous neighborhood, she was serving children. Uh, when I, after that uh, situation that happened, I always uh, make fun that uh, by the grace of God, thing, things were clarified. My friend uh, woke up from the coma, and so everything was clarified that I wasn't the one involved. But because I was fighting for five years at the church, they realized if that guy's in coma, it's Jonathan Fall. <laughs> like all fights, it was my responsibility. And, and when I'm uh, 12, uh, I, I got baptized and uh, made my decision for Christ 700 times in the 700 club. I always tell the story <laughs> of, my, of my compassion tutor sharing the, 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 that I was going to help uh, without making my decision for Christ. I made my decision for Christ. Things are doing great. So I'm in church. I was sharing with Pastor Scott with the Assemblies of God there. That's when I started to feel this passion for missionary work and started serving, translating into Creole. And then uh, when I'm 14 years old, two years after this event, um, I met my father's family. I realized that he hidden me from his family for 14 years. They didn't know about me. And so I was exposed to his family, never told him that, that I met his family. He I was considered a bastard. I was born out of his marriage. He, he was married for daughter. And nine months passed. He, re, he had this conversation with his wife, um, who happens to attend an Assemblies of God church. <laughs> By the way, this is a funny thing in the story. They love me. We have a very good relationship. But he didn't know that I met his family. And when I did it, he got angry at me. And in a conversation, he said that I should have met his family without his permission. And, and then he said, you have to understand that you're a mistake in my life. I am 14 years old. I'm still struggling in poverty. Sponsoring a child doesn't change their life immediately. It's a, it's a holistic child development process, as we call it. You know, providing education opportunities and all of that. And so... I was striving, you know, going out of five, following Christ, and then my father said that I was a mistake. And that hit me very hard. I started to struggle in my faith, how God is good and, 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 and I'm a mistake. But God used Jamie. My sponsor is a young 26 years old woman back then in the night uh, from Michigan. Uh, and she sent me this letter. This is maybe the most important letter in my life that I would like to share with you. This letter came after my father told me that I was a mistake, and she didn't know anything. But she was an expert in writing letters, and she said, Greeting Jonathan from Michigan. If you read all the letters, like 50, she always mentioned Michigan. She's very proud about Michigan. <laughs> Greeting Jonathan from, or I needed to, to understand that she was from Michigan. Greeting Jonathan from Michigan. We receive our first dosing of snow today on Thanksgiving. I always say, whatever that was that I didn't know, now I love turkey. I wish we could have Thanksgiving back home. Uh, we don't have. Today is a great day to reflect on all the things that I am thankful for. And you are one of those that I am greatly thankful for. I wish you and your family a Merry Christmas. It is because of Jesus' birth that we can have hope and assurance of eternal life after death. Please wish your family happy holiday season, and may you also have a very blessed holiday. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. 
Luke 2, 11. In Christ's love, Jamie Bolema. Two, two ideas on these letters. Number one, on Thanksgiving, whatever that was, people is thankful about things. And this woman, whatever Michigan is, she's thankful about me. Second thing, my assurance doesn't come from my father. My assurance comes from the work, the finished work of Jesus in the cross. From, this, from the suffering of Christ, I receive assurance. From the paradox of my God dying in the cross, I receive assurance. Therefore, this, this is a question that my compassion tutor asked me in a conversation about forgiving my father. Who am I not to forgive my father? With this idea and this letter in mind, I called my, my father and said, Dad, I'm, I'm sorry to be a mistake in your life. I wouldn't change who I am. And God is going to use my suffering for his glory one day. He's using it today. And... I told him, and you have to admit that I am the best mistake you have ever made. <laughs> and of course, I was crying, you know, I was uh, trembling. And, but that was a way on how God restored our relationship. God used a young woman struggling financially who was going back to college and wanted to buy a car to sponsor me. Through her suffering, she decided to go ahead and sponsor me. Otherwise, maybe I wouldn't be here. In John 4, 39, the Bible says, Now many Samaritans from that town believe in him because of what the woman said when she testified. And this is the end of the story. The, the women have the encounter with Jesus, thirsty and, and, and tired, and, and she goes back and preaches the gospel. The whole town receives salvation. And in Acts 8, 14 and 15, we read, that uh, the Samaritans receive the Holy Spirit. This is the apostles saying that they will go down there to pray for them so the Samaritans might receive the Holy Spirit. The second group who receive the Holy Spirit in the New Testament are the Samaritans because the encounter of Jesus, thirsty and hungry in a well with the Samaritan women. Can you imagine that? The encounter of Jesus with this woman in his moment of need mean that a year later, for the very first time in history, Gentiles will receive the Holy Spirit. A whole town was saved while Jesus was thirsty and hungry. The whole world can receive forgiveness because of the weakness of our God. And I love this quote from Charles Spurgeon. He said, when I think that the Prince of Glory and the Lord of the Angel lowered himself so much that a poor woman carried him in his arm and called him her baby, without a doubt, Thou, there must be salvation for the humblest, the poorest, and the more sung. If to be able to incarnate, the all-glorious Lord was born of a poor woman and publicly recognized himself as the son of a poor woman, that gives me the certainty that he is willing to receive the poorest and most despised when they seek his face. Yes, Jesus, the carpenter's son, is salvation for the carpenter and all of the humble condition. This is my main point on my sermon this morning. Out of your weakness, today, God wants to reach children in need today. Right now, uh, through you, and, 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 and I'm praying the same for you as, as, as God used Jamie for me. Uh, Jamie uh, couldn't have baby on her own, neither. She's a mother now in her 40s. 
Uh, and she one day told me, I never imagined that a simple mom will make such an impact in someone's life. And that's the mistake, Jamie. I told her, that's the mistake. You're not a simple mom. There is no simple things when supernatural things are happening between a Christian who is, who is discipling another person. Here's the thing. When you sponsor a child, you're not only having a relationship with this child uh, or giving $38 a month to give you the best idea as Compassion Center function in the same way as the Sunday Bible School program, but through the week and with other elements, providing health uh, access to children in need. My teeth, when, when, my, when I was born, because my mother was homeless, she didn't have prenatal care nor calcium. And so my, my, my teeth were very weak. And so they, they, before falling down, the church provided for us to go to the dentist. And, and these are real teeth, just to clarify. <laughs> these are real. And the reason these are real is because of the support of the church. They gave me the food three times a week, uh, the education access. They helped me on these struggles, emotional struggles that I was going through, the school uniform, the shoes, all those elements. But, the, but, but if you ask me, Jonathan, what was the best of being at the Compassion Program? Well, number one was the food that I got at the church. Number two, the opportunity to have this relationship with Jamie. And the fact that she made me a disciple of Christ through her letters. And that's the opportunity that God, I believe, is giving you this morning. This is Jamie. This is the opportunity I believe God is giving you this morning to guide a child in need and also enable a local church in poverty. That's the other thing. The program of Compassion only works with local churches and enable these churches in poverty to serve children in need because my church is serving in a great poverty. And as I reflect on all the things that God led me through, one of the greatest blessings is that my mom went to university while I was attending the Compassion Center. And she said, teacher, now, uh, she, she teach. <laughs> Compassion not only blessed me, uh, but blessed my mom. Uh, she, she's a professor now, and she's not in poverty anymore. Both of my grandparents, do you remember, they die as followers of Christ. Many people in my family are followers of Christ because of Jamie and my local church. Uh, I have the joy to have one wife. <laughs> and uh, the reason I say this is because making my wife happy is so hard. So I can't imagine having two wives. So... One wife, by the grace of God, and, and two songs, uh, J.D., Jonathan David, that's Spider-Man on, on, on the left, don't, don't tell anybody, and then Jonathan Edwards was born April 8th, just like a month. So that's the reason I came late yesterday, and I'm flying today at 4 p.m. And so, but anyways, uh, we are in Santo Domingo, I'm serving with Compassion International, I am on the leadership in, in, in Compassion in the Dominican Republic, serving 220 churches and 66,000 children in my country. If you see me today, the only reason I'm here is because of Jamie and Dulce, both going through great suffering. 
And this is my invitation for you, brothers and sisters. Don't waste your suffering. Because when we are weak, we are strong. How do we know better the power of God? How can we know God better? We know it through the message of the cross. And that's my prayer this morning, that my story inspired you to go beyond and provide the same opportunity that was given to me. And, and as I speak to you, I'm speaking for the 220 churches in the DR, but for 2 million children that Compassion is serving worldwide. And there's more in need. Uh, that's the reason I'm here. So I pray that God can guide you through this reflection to go beyond of your suffering and take this as an opportunity to make a child in need a disciple for Christ. Uh, let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the blessing of sharing your word with GD. Uh, thank you for Pastor Scott leadership and Pastor Marixa and the whole team. Uh, thank you for their heart and their passion for children in need. I have been told of the generosity of this church, and I praise you for that. May you move us to action out of our suffering, out of our need to serve others in need. Bless us, Lord, and guide us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's watch the video for a moment. J'espère que votre communauté va bien par la grâce de Dieu. Je m'appelle Oran et je vais bien. Je m'appelle Charles, je suis le papa de Rock. Toute ma famille va bien. Au parrainage, je suis inscrit à l'école. Merci beaucoup pour les cadeaux d'anniversaire du mois. Chaque 11 janvier, on célèbre maintenant. Mon anniversaire. Cette lettre montre la première fois que quelqu'un m'a souhaité joyeux Noël. Et c'était toi, mère. Vraiment, merci beaucoup. Il bénéficie des soins sanitaires. Grâce au parrainage, j'ai des jolis vêtements. Je m'amuse bien avec les camarades du centre. Merci beaucoup pour les prières que vous faites pour ma famille. Nous prions aussi pour vous. Que Dieu vous bénisse. I am Foscat and Dante Kate Kramer. I am Krishna, your sponsored child. Thank you so much sa suporta o sa tabang na inyong i-extend sa ako. Uh, pinaagi sa inyong tabang, naka-eskwila ko, naka-ilasab ko sa ginoo. In our project center, tungod sa pandemic, wala may weekly learning activity, pero nakadawat may monthly o relief goods, hygiene kit o school supplies. Kanatanan, kagipili ninyo nga mo suporta sa amua. When I grow up, I want to be a psychologist to help sa mga tao nga depressed o kinahanglang tabangan sa panghuna-huna. By your support, I am motivated nga magtarong og iskwela para makatabang sab sa ako ang pamilya. Please continue to pray for my family's good health and provision. Ako sa mag-aampo na untana, panalanginan pa mo sa ginoo. Dako kayo mo og tabang sa ako ah. Tinaot na daghan pa mo og masuportahan o may sponsoran na mga bata. Again, thank you so much my dear sponsors. Tinaot makita tapuhon. I love you and God bless you. I first saw that those two videos uh, this week, and it just, I said to the Compassion team on a Zoom call, I said, y'all aren't playing fair. 
you know, my wife just saw those videos for the first time right now. It's our hearts, for Kate and I, our hearts were first stirred uh, to sponsor a child in compassion many years ago. We were, this will date us a little bit, but we were at a creation music festival um, in Mount Union, Pennsylvania, 21 years ago, and God stirred our hearts to begin sponsoring children through compassion um, back then, and we've been continuously sponsoring uh, different children as the organization needs help. Uh, these are the two right now through Compassion Rock and Krishna that we, we have the privilege of sponsoring. And, um, you know, there's a lot of emotions that are in my heart right now, just seeing their faces. You know, you, you get pictures when you sponsor a child. You, many of you probably already do this. You sponsor children through Compassion or World Vision. Other organizations are great too, but um, you get, you communicate with your children. You can use the church, the, the app. You can do it through paper letters, but um, you get letters, you get drawings, pictures, you get updates on their lives, and it's very it's, it's very important to stay in touch with those kids as you are tracking with their growth and their development. Um, and so seeing their faces, though, hearing them talk, we've never heard their voice until today. The first time to hear those kids' voices is really um, emotional for us. Uh, you know, Jonathan, thank you. Can we thank Jonathan again for coming today? Jonathan, we appreciate you sharing your life with us and, and your story. Um, what God has done in your life and your family through the sponsorship of a, a woman who's proudly from Michigan. We're grateful for that. Um, you know, he used the word paradox a lot. And can I, can I submit one more paradox to you today? I think, this, I think this is a paradox. A Christian who has no compassion. You know, if, if you are a Christ follower today in this room or joining us online, and, and you are a, a person who follows Jesus, then by, by virtue of your connection to Christ, you should live with compassion in your life for those who are hurting, broken, in need, lost, vulnerable, the list goes on and on. We, you and I as Christ followers should carry a degree of compassion in our lives for those, number one, who are lost and far from God, and number two, people in need. And um, some of you have already had the opportunity to go through the Compassion Experience over in our cafe. Um, I hope that many of you will stay and, and wait your turn. You know, they can't take all of you through at one time, obviously, but I hope that many of you will take the time today and stay and do the Compassion Experience. You're going to learn a lot of things about uh, poverty and malnutrition across the globe. You'll hear some numbers and see some statistics that are staggering. Uh, you know, we, we are very blessed in our nation. You know, again, in this room and online, we, we represent a, a great diversity of people, and, and that also affects the, the ability that we have to provide for ourselves. But when you go through that experience, you'll be reminded very quickly of how blessed you are. Most of us here today don't worry about where our next meal will come from. You're going to hear a story about Kevin from Kenya who will share in that experience. He, he enjoys just a few meals a week. And if you decide today, if you allow God to stir your heart today to become a sponsor, you can make 
a lifetime difference in the life of a child. Compassion still has 50,000 children needing sponsors. 50,000 kids in their system still are awaiting a sponsor. I have a packet right here of a boy named Dante from Peru. He has been waiting for a sponsor for 345 days. Now they have, they have priority children in their system because these kids have been on the list for longer and have been awaiting a sponsor for a longer amount of time. And so they would, you know, there's tables all over the atrium. I hope that you'll stop by, get in line, be patient today. Maybe even this, I would say to parents, go pick up your kids. You know, we came yesterday and took Erilyn and one of her friends through the experience together. You know, if you have children here today, man, go get your kids first and bring them with you through the experience. Because even if you don't have the means to sponsor today, it will affect you and it will impact your children and give you a broader perspective that every one of us needs from time to time. We all need a dose of perspective of how blessed we are. Amen, church? We need to be reminded that we are blessed in this country. And so I want to, I'm going to pray with you in a minute, uh, but I, I want to I ask you to do a couple things today. Many of you, like Kate and I, many of you have the means to sponsor at least one child. It's $38 a month. Now again, I say many of you because I, I realize not all of you do have the means. Some of you are are strapped right now financially. It's not an easy economy to live in in this country right now. And so there are some of you here today and some of you online who you'd say, you know what, we are paycheck to paycheck. We don't, we don't have the means right now. This, we're not here to guilt you or to pressure you. But many of us in this room have the means that God has blessed us with to sponsor at least one child. Some of you have the means to sponsor two children, three children, maybe more than that. And I would just ask you to to prayerfully ask the Holy Spirit what he would stir you to do. Uh, in fact, if you're feeling stirred right now, we have uh, volunteers in blue shirts, and they, are, they have packets in their hands right now. This is a packet of one of the children that needs a sponsor, that's awaiting a sponsor. Uh, there's, inf there's basic information in every one of these packets. These are at the tables as well. They're over by the Compassion Experience this packet has information about the child. On the back side is a tear-off card that you will fill out and hand in today. Um, if you are feeling stirred in this room right now, I would ask you to raise your hand and say, you know what, Scott, I, wanna, I want a child right now in my hand. Go ahead and put your hands up. Our volunteers have packets in their hands, and they want to put one of these packets in your hand. Keep your hand up. If you feel God is stirring you right now, my faith goal for our church, we were talking this week, my dream goal for this church is that we would sponsor as a fellowship another 400 kids this week. You know, four years ago when we had the Compassion Experience in 2018, this congregation sponsored over 400 children. And I'm believing God that we would be able to do the same this time around, that we would be able to sponsor another 400 children with Compassion International. So again, I'm asking you to keep your hand up until you have a packet in your hand. Uh, while they do that, there's still, we need, there's more packets. Make sure that your hand stays up. Um, online, if you are online today, we know that hundreds join us online. Just because you're not here doesn't mean that you can't also be stirred by God and support a child. Uh, all you need to do online is this. You can text the word HOPE, H-O-P-E, 
to the number 83393. If you're online, if you're, you can put that in the chat. Uh, text the word HOPE to the number 83393. And if you'll text that word to that number, you'll be taken through a series of steps that you too can sponsor one or more children through Compassion and make a, a, not just a lifetime difference in their, their life, but you need to know that you'll make an eternal difference in their life. One of the things that I love about Compassion they are Christ-centered and church-based. All of the ministry that Compassion does, all of your sponsorship energy, all of your support is actually being worked out through a local church congregation on the other side of the equation. We're, we're, we're a congregation here and we support, we're part of a church, but when your support goes out to a different country, it is being given through a local church fellowship and congregation church-based and Christ-centered so that not only are you supporting the physical, tangible needs of a child, but you are making a difference in their eternal destination as well, introducing them to Jesus Christ through the ministry of Compassion International. So again, if there's anybody else that, man, God's still stirring you, put your hand up. Don't leave this room until you have a packet in your hand. One, I need to say one thing about the packet you have in your hand now. There's only one of these packets, okay? So if you're holding one or more of these packets in your hand and you take this packet home and you fail to act, that child is going to be sit longer in the system. This is an actual living child. There's only one packet for this child. It's not like there are other, like Dante has eight other packets in eight other churches and maybe somebody who grabs his packet will sponsor him. The packet you have in your hand is the only packet for that child and so if, you're gonna, if you intend and you know you're going to sponsor the child, then, man, go home with it fill out the, or fill it out before you leave here and hand it to one of our volunteers at one of these tables. But if you're not certain that you're able to do that, then you can look it over, think about it, pray about it. But if you don't believe you can sponsor that, that child, then give the packet back to one of our tables and they'll make sure somebody else gets it. But I want to make sure you understand that this is a, a living child that that packet represents today. So I want you to stand with me. We're going to close our service in prayer. I'm believing God for this church to do an amazing thing today in sponsoring over 400 children. As normal, we know that there are people in this room that have needs of their own. And if you're here today and you would like someone to pray with you after the service, um, we certainly want you to know that the altar is open. We have volunteers and prayer team members that would love to pray with you um, and believe God for your needs, not just for the needs of these compassion children. But obviously the main takeaway today is that, that we're believing, God, that this church would make a difference in the lives of hundreds of children all over this globe. Compassion is in at least 25 nations all over this world, serving over 2 million children and making a difference globally for the gospel of Jesus and helping children. So I want to pray for us today. Again, if, if you don't have a pack in your hand, I want you to stop by the table, talk with some volunteers, go through the experience. Let God continue to stir your heart and move you to compassion to sponsor a child today. God, thank you for this day. Thank you, Father, for the many blessings that each of us in our lives have in this church and in this country. I know that many of us in this room do have needs. We do have hardship. We do have adversity. 
It's not a paradox, God. We know that suffering sometimes is a part of this life. Jesus himself said that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so we, God, at, at, at certain levels, we can embrace that. And we look to you, God, that you, oh Lord, as we learned already, that your, your strength is made perfect in our weakness. But my prayer today, God, is for our church, that we would be stirred to action and moved with compassion to make a difference in the lives of hundreds of children all over this world. God, I pray that those who are able to sponsor today, God, that they would be moved. And that, God, you would multiply your blessing in our lives as we take action today. That we would be reminded that, God, you are the God of abundance. That you are God, a God of surplus. That you, for any of us who act today, God, that you will open heaven over our lives. That you will bless us more than we can imagine through the relationship with a child or many children, God, that you would bless us as we are a blessing to children. So God, bless your people today. Let your favor rest on our lives and move us, Lord, to do whatever you, your spirit tells us to do today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Love you all so much. I pray that you've been blessed this morning. Have an amazing day. Go check out the experience. Have a great day.